Ohio State finally did it. On Friday night, in the Sugar Bowl, Ohio State finally beat Clemson in the college football playoff semifinals. A lot of people didn't think that Ohio State could do it. We didn't even think Ohio State could do it. But the Buckeyes pulled it off. A 49-28 win over Clemson to punch its ticket to the national championship game against Alabama. And I'm guessing that if you're a listener of Real Pod Wednesdays, you're probably pretty happy about the fact that we are talking about that on this show here today. Of course, some less good news on Tuesday that uh, Ohio State is dealing with some COVID issues, so that is something that uh, we have to deal with again here in the days leading up to the game. But as of now, Ohio State still planning to play in the national championship game on Monday. There has reportedly been discussions about the game being postponed, and as we know, things can change at any time. So we're recording this here on a Tuesday night, and it's certainly possible that at any time things could change. But the good news is Ohio State will be playing for a national championship, even if the game does in fact have to be postponed. Right now the plan would be to postpone the game until January 18th. So the Buckeyes and Crimson Tide are still going to play. We hope that it happens on Monday. But regardless, the Buckeyes have a chance to play for a national championship. And it's because they had a hell of a performance against Clemson. And it's also because we were just completely dead wrong in our entire preview. And we both picked Ohio State to lose. And it became, you know, it felt like for approximately two possessions – that maybe we were right, and then, you know, by as the second quarter dragged along, it was like, oh, my. Like, this is the Ohio State team that we spent the entire season wondering if we'd actually get to see. It's it's right here. It's right here. Yeah, I mean, we got it wrong. I mean, I probably got it more wrong than Collins. I think Collins saw more of a path to victory than I did. Um, you know, I mean, I, I mean, you, if you listen to the podcast last week, you know where I stood. I, I really didn't think Ohio State was going to win. I really thought Clemson was a better team. Uh, I just didn't see it happening, and I was wrong. I mean, you know what I really didn't see happening was Ohio State winning the game by 21 points. You know, I think – I don't remember if I said it on the pod last week or if I said it off air, but I kind of said, you know, there were three different things I could see happening. You know, I thought Ohio State could win a close game. I thought Clemson could win a close game. I thought Clemson could blow Ohio State out. I did not think Ohio State was going to blow Clemson out. And really, I mean, it was, you know, 21 points, but really – it was a dominant performance by the Buckeyes. It was sort of unbelievable. I mean, if you if you look at uh, you know if you look at what type of what, what what Ohio State needed to do, like one, like you needed Justin Fields to remind everybody why he was the Heisman front runner at one point. I remember she saying did. that sentence, <laughs> which he did. And <laughs> it's like if he had played that way the entire season. Uh, today, as we record this on Tuesday night, like he might be you know getting the award that went to Devontae Smith. Um, they needed that to happen. They needed the run game to maybe not look like the 300-yard Trey Sermon run game, but be a competent running game that they could rely on. Turns out it looked a little like the 300-yard Trey Sermon run game. They need the offensive line and defensive line to dominate. Like, that's exactly what happened. Um, and perhaps most importantly, 
they needed that, you know, this, the secondary and the, and the linebackers who were in pass defense to not get torn up. And I think that that was everybody's number one concern. And, you know, I remember saying, you know, before the game, you know, I'm not hundred percent sure if Clemson's wide receivers are going to test Ohio state down the field. Um, like maybe Indiana did. And that, that, that proved to be the case more than I even really realized. And the fact that Ohio state was able to defend the, the pass the way that they were, I mean, I think you combine that, you, you, you just look at all, every single phase of the game, like Ohio State played its best game. And Ryan Day went in talking about, you know, they need to, we need to play our best game. Don't think we played it yet. And I was wondering, like, how good can this game be? Like, like can you have all facets rolling? And they really did. Yeah, I mean, they, they played like a championship team on Friday. You know, they got another game to win a championship, and we'll get into that game in a little bit. But, you know, they played at that championship level. And the reality is they, we just didn't see that in the first six games. And part of that's just because it was such a short season. It was such a just disjointed season. Uh, we just didn't see that, but, but we didn't, you know, I mean, I mean, and that's the thing, like, you know, I fully admit I was wrong. I was, I was totally wrong. We'll, we'll take my hits on that, but I'm also not going to, I'm also not going to sit here and say that, you know, I think I totally missed something that we saw in this game because I, I think Ohio State absolutely played better than it had in any other game this year by a long shot. I mean, maybe the Michigan State game, but that not even close to comparable in, in terms of talent that you're looking at. So, you know, for them to just put it all together the way that they did against Clemson, I mean, that's what they had to do, and they did it. I mean, you got to give so much credit to to that team, to – to the coaches, to the players, to everybody for, you know, this was the game that they had circled on their calendar for 12 months. And they knew, you know, they were going to have to play their best in this game. And they did it. You know, they, they did it. I mean, you know, the, the, the preparation they put in, I mean, I think it was pretty clear they had the better game plan. They looked like the more prepared team in this game. And I think you combine that with, you know, I think the talent advantage. I mean, I think that was one thing that, you know, there was at the back of my mind going into this game that even though I felt like Clemson had played better football, I think you, know, you, you did see that, okay, in terms of overall talent, Ohio State did have an edge in that regard. And maybe I should have put a little bit more stock into that, but I think it really just all came together for Ohio State where, you know, that that better talent did prevail and it and it prevailed because, they went in with a really good game plan and then they executed it. We're talking way too much about this game without bringing up Justin Fields and just diving into this because this performance to me was just masterful. I mean, I, I, I was definitely a little bit too caught up in the, what he had done in the last two, uh, you know, two of the last three games of, of the season, which were, you know, Indiana and Northwestern. Um, and, you know, that's, that's one of those things where it's such a small sample size with six games that like, if that's a third of the season, it's a little bit worrisome that that third of the season's coming at the end of the year. Um, and then he bounces back by having an absolutely legendary performance, 385 passing yards, six in completions, six touchdowns, one interception on a tipped pass, 42 yards. And for, the majority of the game, I was like wincing every time he got touched by a Clemson player because he got absolutely drilled on a targeting penalty. I mean, that was a, that was an unbelievable performance. Yeah, I mean, 
he was hurt for more than half the game and he still put up those numbers that you, you just put on. I mean, you know, I, I think there's a lot of quarterbacks, but if they take that shot that he took him, I said, Gordon, that, that's it. They're not going to return to the game. I thought it was it. I thought I, you remember on the play that he just crumpled down and got sacked. And, and it was the play after that. It's the one that Trey Sermon rushed for 10 yards to convert a third and nine. And they ended up scoring later on that drive to, to Ruckert. But when he crumpled, I was like, I don't really know that they can keep him in anymore. I really did. I thought that he was going to come out. I honestly did. And I think a lot of people felt that way, but you know, I mean, you know, first of all, I've said it, you know, in other places already, but I'll say it on here. I mean, the number one thing you cannot question about Justin Fields is his toughness. And, you know, that, that was the peak example of of how tough Justin Fields is. I mean, we've seen it time and time again, where, you know, he, he, he looks like he gets hurt and then he just bounces right back up and he gets right back out there in the game. And I think this was the biggest example of it yet, because you could tell, I mean, he was legitimately hurting. I mean, he was legit. I mean, after the game, when he sits down for the presser, he, he made like an awful sounding groan. Like you could just tell, like he was in real pain, but it didn't affect his play at all. I mean, I think his best throws of the game came after that. So to have a performance he did, I mean, to me, I mean, we, we, we've talked about it before, you know, I mean, he did, he did have a couple of games where he looked human uh, this year, but by and large, this guy has been absolutely special as Ohio state's quarterback. In my opinion, he is the best quarterback in Ohio state history. And I think he cemented it with that performance against Clemson. What the hell was that 56 yard to Alafe? Like, what, what even was that? Like, he saw that thing in the air and it's like, like I felt like that thing was going to touch the top of the stadium. Yeah. It was an absolute just dime is what it was. Like we were asked by one of the, one of the commenters about which fro from fields was the most impressive to you. And that meant, one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he mentioned three, but we're all very impressive. Uh, he said the first throw of a nine yard touchdown to Olave after he came back to the shot to the ribs, uh, the frozen rope to Ruckert at the end of a half or that deep post to Olave. Uh, there were those three were impressive. There were other great pros in the game too, but I, I definitely have a 56 yarder to Olave. Am I, that's the tape. That's the throw you're going to see 200 times on ESPN over the next four months for his NFL draft highlights. That's, that's the throw right there. Yeah. That's the one that literally made my, my mouth drop because you know, it's, you know, when you're like watching when you want to go back and rewatch a game, like the way, the way that I sort of do it is, you know, I have to rewind plays back and forth to, to sort of see like what's going on everywhere, but I rarely do it to actually see a throw again, because like once you've seen the throw, like, you know what happens. Like, you know you know where it ends up. You know if it's caught or not. That one, I, like, rewound and, and went and watched it again over and over. I just couldn't even believe it. I mean, the fact that he put it on the money that far, um, basically threw it in front of him by 30 or so yards. Um, I, I mean, that was that was an outstanding throw. And the, the, the record one, to me, is probably number two. Um, and that one's maybe a little bit overshadowed because he didn't throw it 60 yards in the air. But he put that one – uh, the only place that, that, that record you get it. And, you know, that's one of those things that I think we've seen from fields time and time again. Um, and we'll have to see from him again on Monday is that, that just superb accuracy is just like, that's something he's always had. Um, that's something that, you know, it's one of those things that it's, it, it's pretty hard to teach that thing. And that that's one of those traits that he has that is going to make him a top three pick in the NFL. 
yeah, I mean, there were just so many in this game. Like, there was the first touchdown to Farrell. Like, that was another one that he, like, just put it yeah. right there, right past tight coverage. I mean, there was – I thought that that was picked. The moment I, – I, the, there was a moment I thought that was picked. Yeah. I mean, it was just – again, it was just perfect placement. I mean, he had a, a 45-yarder to, to Jameson Williams later in the game as well, which was also just a perfect deep ball. So, yeah, I mean, it was what a performance by Justin Fields. I mean, you couldn't have asked for – anything more from him and you know i mean we we had talked about it before i mean it, the number one thing for ohio state going into this game or at least one of them was going to be does justin fields play at his best and that was his best mm-hmm. it was i thought it was interesting too and i brought this up in you know our, our slack channel because i wanted to ask our, our film guru kyle jones about this because i thought it was i was clemson did something i was not expecting and maybe that's on me for, for not, you know, knowing Clemson as, as well as Kyle did, Kyle did. But uh, I was surprised that they didn't try and blitz him, try and get him under pressure more, especially if you have a guy like Matt Jones and there's a first year, uh, you know, second game starter at, at left guard. I, and it, you know, to me, it just felt like that they were rushing even, even as few as three guys at times, there's three or four guys, basically every single time, you know, what Kyle said when, when I sort of asked him for his take on it is, you know, he was just he, he thought that Brent Venables was worried about leaving his guys in the in the defensive backfield on islands with Ohio State's receivers, which you know I think is obviously understandable. And you see in the some of the throws that Fields made, why? But I thought that you know there was one time that the uh, did Justin only get sacked once, if I remember, twice, twice. The 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 one sack that he had that that had the guy coming around twisting around Matt Jones. It's like why didn't you design more of more of those? Because I I just felt like that there were opportunities that Clemson had to to take advantage of the fact that you know one of the things that Justin Fields hasn't done the best is you know play under pressure and, and that sort of led him to make some poor decisions. Um, and I was a little bit surprised Clemson didn't do that. And even later in the game. You know, when when things were going down the hill a little bit, they didn't seem to go to that anymore. But it worked in Ohio State's favor. There were a lot of things that were surprising about this game. I think one of them that's right up there was the fact that Brent Venables' defense just looked completely unprepared for this game. And, yeah. I mean, you could see it with Ohio State. They made a concerted effort to huddle before plays so that Clemson couldn't steal their signals. And if you notice it when you rewatch the game, you know, I, it, it was nice. ESPN did an all 22 broadcast. So you can rewatch that and, and you can really see it. And I mean, there, there were plays where they're just running all over the place. Like you, you could tell like Ohio state totally took Clemson out of its game plan and, and, and they just, they just looked awful. Um, and so, you know, that was, you know, that was definitely one of the things that I didn't account for was, you know, I fought Brent Venables, you know, defensive guru. You've seen these other defenses make fields uncomfortable to blitz. I figure he's mm-hmm. going to call blitz on every single play. And if fields continues to struggle with that, if the offensive line continues to struggle with that, like we've seen in past games, you know, that could really throw a passing game off, but that just didn't happen at all. No. And you know, I thought that that was a, that was a surprise. The other surprise it's, you know, it's not a surprise. Uh, and I, in fact, I retract the word surprise because I wasn't surprised, but I was impressed was this offensive line was absolutely dominant throughout the day, both in pass protection and in run blocking. I think it, you know, I think it is worth noting the pass protection part because you mentioned the two sacks. Um, like I thought Thayer Munford and Nick Petit Ferreira were basically flawless um, at, at offensive tackle. And I thought, probably the best performance that I've seen 
um, from the interior linemen on the few stunts and blitzes that they did get. Because they didn't get them all the time, but when they did, they took care of them for, for the vast majority of vast majority of the, the plays. Um, but to bring it to the run game for a sec, like they just they whooped butt. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. That's that's exactly what happened. All five of those guys, including Matt Jones, who has now had two starts with one of them coming in the biggest game of the year. Yeah, and, and that's really important to, to say now because, you know, we talk about how great Justin Fields was, but it always helps as a quarterback. It helps opens up a passing game when your running game is rolling, and it was rolling. I mean, you know, Trey Sermon, I mean, this is, you know, it's kind of got a 2014 Ezekiel Elliott to it feel here with the kind of run he's put together between the Big Ten Championship game and, and the Sugar Bowl where, where he's just taken his game to a whole nother level, and, and he's been phenomenal. And absolutely, I think you know, it was a tremendous performance of the offensive line. I think all five of them up front uh, had an excellent game. And, and the tight ends, too. I mean, we've we got to give those guys credit because you you watch. I mean, there's so many times where, where Farrell or Rucker makes a key block out there on the edge that, that makes the run go. So I just think, you know, those guys up front, you know, we, we talked about it before the season. You know, I remember you were very, very high on Ohio State's offensive line, thinking it was going to be, you know, the best off Ohio State offensive line ever. And it wasn't at the beginning, but the past couple games, we've started to see why you were so optimistic about this offensive line, because especially in the run game, they've started to play that way. Yeah, I think I think in the past game, Thayer Munford, Nick Petit Frere have been tremendous pass blockers all year. I, I I really think that Josh Myers wasn't playing very well earlier in the season. And I thought Wyatt Davis was playing fine. Not great. He was playing fine. I didn't have a big issue with this play. But if you're talking about a guy who I expected to be a first round pick, I didn't think that he was looking like that. Recently, like I think Josh Myers' Clemson game was the best game I've seen all year. I, I mean he was just he was bodying guys. Um and I thought I thought um, I thought Wyatt Davis played really well. I thought the offensive tackles played well. I mean, if if I were to nitpick, like there were a couple miscommunications with uh, you know with Matt Jones um, and you know with Paris Johnson in there. There's one specifically where you can look after immediately after the play, and there's Thayer Munford saying, "Dude, that's your guy." Um, and you know, Nick Petit Frere had a couple whiffs, but like generally, like that's that's just nitpicking because generally they were all really good. I'll say the one thing about Matt Jones, like. I don't. I, I don't know if Harry Miller will be back for the national championship. I feel. I would feel perfectly fine if Matt Jones is at left guard. I mean, he was. He was great. Um, the one. The I would say that the, the the my favorite part about watching him because I love. Sorry, if this is too much offensive line talk, but I love watching the offensive line. Um, his first punch, like his initial punch on a, on a defensive lineman is is so strong and so explosive he just knocks dudes backward uh, he he is he's going to be a good one because i expect that he'll he'll fill in as a he'll slot in as an interior starter at, at somewhere next year yeah i mean we were at one of the questions we were asked this week we'll just answer it now was jester tcf asked would you sit harry miller as in if harry miller is back for the national championship game would you start matthew jones over him and, and my answer is yes i would and, you know, I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, it, Harry Miller was put in a, a tough spot being a first year offensive lineman. And, you know, I think it's tough in offensive lineman. I think people tend to harp on the mistakes more than anything else. And I, I actually think for the most part, I think as a run blocker, I think Harry Miller has been good. I think he's, most of his issues have come in pass protection. But the way Matthew Jones played and, and the way he's played in both of his starts, I've been really impressed by what I've seen from him. 
it, it seems like the offensive line has clicked better when he's been in there. So I would start him in the national championship game, even if Harry Miller is healthy. Yeah, I would too. I think it's a tough decision, especially for someone like that. But, you know, let's be honest. Like if you look at the defensive backfield, like they just put Josh Proctor out there as a, as a starting deep safety right after Marcus Hooker missed a game because they thought Josh Proctor played really well in that role for the Big Ten Championship. Like I could see them doing the same thing with Matt Jones. So there is some precedent with it, with this team. Uh, and mentioning that, we should probably talk a little about a bit about the defensive side of the ball because you know, to hold Clemson to 28 points, like it seemed momentarily there <laughs> that both teams were going to score more than 60. Turns out they only needed 29 points to win. Ohio State put up 49, but holding to, holding Clemson to 28 is not something I necessarily saw coming. Well, no, because Clemson had scored at least 34 in all of its other games this season. So uh, to hold them to a season low 28 is certainly an accomplishment for Ohio State, especially with the issues that we had seen, you know, particularly in pass defense for, for Ohio State, uh, you know, to go against Trevor Lawrence-led offense and to only give up 28. I think that is a victory. I mean, I'm not going to say that the defense was great because they still gave up 400 passing yards. I mean, they still gave up 28 points, but they did what they needed to do. You know, when you, when you have an offense clicking the way Ohio State's offense was, the big thing is you don't want to waste that. You don't, you don't, you don't want to waste that by being unable to make stops. And, and they were able to make enough stops. You know, like you said, I mean, early on, it did not look good. The first three series, Clemson scored two touchdowns. And at that point, it really didn't look good for Ohio State's defense. But the rest of the game, 10 more possessions, Ohio State only allowed them to score twice. So that's absolutely a victory for the defense. And, you know, uh, it really all started with the defensive line. I mean, I think the defensive line was phenomenal in this game. I think all four starters, Tommy Togiai and Haskell Garrett inside, Jonathan Cooper and Tyreek Smith outside. There really wasn't a lot of rotation in this game because Zach Harrison and Tyler Friday were both out. So it was those four, you know, were the guys who did the heavy lifting on that front line. And I thought all four of them had fantastic games. They did. I thought Tommy Togia was particularly outstanding. Um, and he's not someone who's gotten a ton of hype this year outside of the three set game, but he's you know, night in and night out. He's just really hard to, to play against because he's hard to move in the run game unless you're going to throw multiple bodies at him. And if that's happening, then you're probably only single um, blocking, you know, a Haskell Garrett, a, a Coop, a, a Tyreek Smith. Um, and you know, that's obviously not necessarily what you want, but this, this defensive line, it feels like, you know, it feels like it rose to the occasion when some people are wondering, you know, if it would take a step back um, or if it had taken a step back without a Chase Young or a Bosa on it. And it just, it, it just feels like this front seven um, is like, it's, to me, it's unbelievable that this is the front seven. If you just go like man by man on this and you wonder, like, I, I personally think this might be the best front seven in the country. Like it's led by a guy in Tyreek Smith who was once basically silently committed to Penn State. As Jonathan Cooper, who's a fifth-year senior, is supposed to be in the NFL, but happened to take a red shirt last year. And as a guy in Haskell Garrett, who obviously got shot in the face, as a guy in Tommy Togiai, who's from freaking Idaho, as Tough Borland, who's like, how is Tough Borland still around? And he's also having like a breakthrough season as a the third-time captain. As Justin Hilliard, who has played, I, I personally think he's been the best defensive player on the field the last two games. He's in his sixth year. I thought he was going to be a backup, a, a special teams guy this season. He's one of the best players on the entire defense. Um, 
you have Baron Browning, a five-star who's in a new position, and then Pete Warner just does everything. It's an unbelievable front seven. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Justin Hilliard. I mean, I think the last two games, like, this is a guy that's maybe gotten himself drafted the last two games. I think that's how well he's played against Northwestern and against Clemson, that I think he's he's really uh, improved himself as an NFL prospect. And, you know, I mean, he, he finally – it's six years later, but he finally looks like a five-star recruit. I mean, this is, yeah. this is the guy that they recruited as the gem of their 2015 class. Like, this is the guy he was supposed to be, and what a great story for him to persevere through everything he's had to overcome and to still become this kind of player. I don't think many people saw this coming, you know, really, really good for him to be able to, you know, get to that level. And like Pete Warner, like that's another guy. I don't think he's gotten a lot of attention for his play on Clemson, like rewatching the game. Like I thought he had a phenomenal game. Like he, there were a lot of times that he was, he was bringing pressure on the blitz. Like he, he was all over the field. Like, we've talked about it all year, like how key a guy he is and how I don't think he ever gets the credit he deserves, but I thought he was another guy who had a fantastic game against Clemson. AKA everybody. (laughs) That's that's the kind of game it was. It was, it was, it was funny because like the, it felt like for so many of these guys, it was like, all right, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. When are they really going to finally take off? Like, this is it. This is it. And even the secondary, like, I mean, I'll say this, I don't think Sean Wade played like a first team All American. Uh, that I was think- here. Hold up. That was the one thing we were everybody was right on. It was like Cor- Cornell Powell, eight catches, 139 yards, two touchdowns. Like that wasn't great. And, and they and mostly looking, picked on Wade. Yeah, if we're looking ahead to the Alabama game, like I wouldn't wouldn't exactly that wouldn't that line wouldn't thrill me. But everybody yes. else, everybody else, it felt like job well done. Yeah, because I mean, I thought even you know even if the yards that were given up, like I thought seven banks had a pretty good game. Obviously the interception, I thought Marcus Williamson, he, he actually played a different role. He was playing more safety. He had played more corner on the year. He was playing more safety in this game. I thought he probably had his best game uh, as a Buckeye. And I thought, you know, I, I think the move to put Josh Proctor back at deep safety, Marcus Hooker didn't even play on defense. I think that's proved to be the right move. I think, uh, I, I think he's been much more solid back there. You know, I mean, he, he still makes his mistakes from time to time. So, you know, sometimes he's one of those guys, like, he wants to make the big hit, and sometimes he just takes a bad angle and he just whiffs. But I, I think, by and large, he, he's been much more solid back there the last couple of games than Marcus Hooker was. Yeah, no, I think that's true. And it's, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't think that they were going to do it just because I just wondered if you can really make that move. And it's like – it's really weird how COVID-19 affects you, but like, I don't know that they make this move. If Marcus Hooker doesn't miss the big 10 championship game, they don't get a full game of Josh Proctor back there and then feel comfortable enough to put him there against Clemson. Well, to clarify, Hooker did not miss that game with COVID-19 Hooker had an or, injury in that game because yeah, he was yeah. actually a game time decision. And then he, they decided <laughs> yes. not to play him because of an injury. So. My mind works in the way that if someone doesn't play this year, I just like default. Yeah. To that, no, understandable. It's, like, just, it's a terrible thing to default to, but we have lived a terrible past year. It, it's an important uh, clarification in yes. this year. Uh, I appreciate it. STL Buckeye 15. He asked us, what did you find to be the most impressive aspect about the victory over Clemson? I mean, for me, it was Fields. You might agree with me that it was Fields. Uh, but what, other than Justin Fields, what was the most impressive aspect of the game in your mind? 
Well, one, it just like it literally has to be Fields. It can't possibly be somewhere else, someone else, because that's just like, how good Fields, he was. Yeah, that and that's the importance of him to this team. Like, like it's it's such a like it's such dumb analysis when you go into a game saying if Justin Fields is good, they'll win, and if not, they won't. But like sometimes, if you have a player like Justin Fields, that that it's as simple as that. Um, and he outplayed Trevor Lawrence, period. Like this was this is the guy that he's been compared to, and he's going to continue to be compared to for the next four months. And at least in this game, he outperformed Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I, I think uh, outside of fields, to me, you know, I, I'll go with Trey Sermon because I feel like I've been a long time Trey Sermon skeptic, and there's no skepticism left. Even after the 300-yard game, I was like, all right, now I've seen it once. Like, can I see it again? And Trey's like, yes, yes, you may. I mean, to, to, to do what he did, yes, the offensive line was great. But if you look at how many yards after contact he had, like there are a few runs that you watch back and it's like, I don't even, I don't understand how he did that. I think there were a couple plays, you know, there, you know, there was one that I wrote about calling it the most underrated play, because I think that if this play doesn't go the way, um, the, go the way it did, I do wonder if it could have been a closer game. That was, you know, minute and a half to go in the in the second quarter Ohio State has the ball I think on on the on its own 39 yard line and you know Justin Fields had just gotten drilled a little bit earlier he was feeling it um I think on the play prior it was that it was that play that he got hit and and, and sacked and sort of fell down and you know I thought he was gonna have to come out of the game so third and nine they handed off to Trey Sermon he's got a great hole but he gets hit three yards in front of the marker and what does he do he just spins right off and launches forward for four more yards it's like, that's the kind of stuff he did not do at all in the first three and a half games. And the fact that he's doing it now is like, wow, like Ohio State really has something. And like, you don't want to say like, he's, he's, I, I, I think Alabama is another test, but like, I think he's going to do some, some bad things to Alabama's defense. I, I tried. I tried to get you on the Trey Sermon train after the Michigan State game, and you were, I, I, you were holding out. <laughs> you were, you were, and I, I'll say this, like, I was a little bit wrong, but if I'm going down, then Ryan Day is going down too, because Ryan Day said also that he was having some, some concerns of like, what is this? Like, this isn't really what, what they had signed up for. Well, I'm not talking about the first two to three games. I was saying after the Michigan state game, well, I was trying to tell you that I thought listen, he was hitting his stride and you were like, not impressed. He had, he had one and a half good runs in that game. I was waiting for more. He's decided to show me 500 yards in the past two games. And I will say, if you're willing to show me 500 yards, I'm, I'm jumping on that bandwagon, which uh, is admittedly not a buy low opportunity. I'm buying high on this one. It's not exactly some astute analysis, um, but I, I'll, I'll ride that train. I'll say to answer of a question, you know, other than Fields, I, I think for me, it, it was the defensive line. Cause I, I just felt like, you know, they just dominated in this game and, you know, you think you really notice it, like even when you just rewatch the game, just like how consistently they were putting pressure on just on Trevor Lawrence, and and most of that was just being generated by uh, Ohio State's defensive linemen just beating their man. Like uh, Clemson's right tackle, I think he's Jordan McFadden. Like the thing I kept noticing watching the game, that dude had a rough game. Like he, he was he, he was having trouble. Like Cooper and Smith were just beating him over and over again on the edge. And I think that was one of those things like where you kind of look at it in hindsight and, and you say, okay, like Clemson's offensive line, they got the one five-star and Jackson Carmen, and then everybody else was kind of a lower rated recruit. And I think you saw that in, in the game on Friday where 
Ohio State's defensive line is more talented than Clemson's offensive line. And, and that talent disparity uh, really showed itself. But also, I mean, you just got to give credit to Larry Johnson because he just does it time and time again. And we know there's no Chase Young in this group. There's no Bosa in this group. But when they needed to be at their absolute best, they were. Yeah, it's, a, it's sort of an astounding group. And I, I thought that, you know, coming into the year, it might be a weakness. And look at how wrong we are. <laughs> to me, like, I mean, this is just such a big win. Like, to me, it, it feels like it's absolutely the biggest win for Ohio State since the Alabama game six years ago. I mean, at least just in terms of, like, like this is a game that people did not expect Ohio State to win. And they just go and they make a statement. I mean – it might be recency bias, but it almost feels bigger to me because there's been so much history against Clemson uh, of losing this game and to just go out and just dominate, you know, I mean, Alabama, they won, but this game, they just dominated this team that was supposed to be better than them. You know, you probably say they're about the same, but you know, I mean, I I'd say this, like, since I, since I've been back on the Ohio state beat, you know, I came out of that game thinking like in a good way, you know, I'm not talking about like Purdue and Iowa the losses there, like in a good way, this was the most shocked I had been by an Ohio state performance because they truly just exceeded my expectations in such a big way. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I, uh, I mean, there's so many, like, like we, I think we, I mean, we spent couple weeks before the game talking about it that the 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 kind of storylines going into this game it's like how do you even keep track of all of them I mean we haven't even talked about like the sign stealing stuff like all, all those kinds of stuff like Dabo's comments uh early in the week on about number 11 uh which I'd love to see this Ohio State team face Coastal Carolina now that would be a fun one um I it's it, it was an unbelievable performance, and I also think it's validating. I think it's validating to this team because if this team loses, you you have a lot of people who, you know, they look at they look at this Buckeye season and they see, you know, a seven point win against Indiana, a bunch of wins against some bad teams, you know, just six wins on the schedule. You know, the the win against Northwest, the win in, in the Big Ten championship is Northwestern. Like it's not it's not a great team. Um, if they lost to Clemson, I think people would wonder how good this Ohio State team is. And they just showed us right there. Like they are, they're clearly one of the two best teams in the country. Um, and they're going to get a chance to show that they are the best. Um, and I think that that matters both this year and just in the wide scale. If we think about, if we think about like program tiers, like Ohio state, Clemson and Alabama, because of this win to me are all in that top tier right now. It felt like going into this season, Ohio state was just one rung below those two. I think you, I think you validate yourself by beating Clemson the way that you did after seemingly not being able to get over that hump. I agree. And, and you know, it's funny how much one game can change perception because you talked about it. Like if, if Ohio state lost this game, I think you could absolutely say Alabama and Clemson are in a tier of their own. Ohio state's not there because it hadn't won that big game in six years. Now, you know, last couple of days, I see people talking about are Ohio State and Alabama about to separate themselves from Clemson because, okay, they're playing in the national championship game. They've also got the number one and number two recruiting classes. And, you know, I, I, I think Clemson's going to hang around. I think Clemson's going to be just fine. I mean, they've got another five-star quarterback in DJ Uyunglele. I think I said that right. 
who's going to be their starter next I year. I was bold and, of even trying. And, and, you know, I think he's going to be really good. I think they've got a lot of talent. But their recruiting still hasn't been quite at the level of Ohio State and Alabama. So, you know, I think, you know, there's some perception there, but like, okay, like, you know, Ohio State and Alabama, like those could really be the top two going forward. As long as Clemson keeps making a college football playoff, they're going to be right there too. But, uh, you know, absolutely, you know, this was huge for Ohio State to, you know, prove that it, it is in that top three, that clear-cut top three. It's huge for Ryan Day because, I mean, you know, this to, to be at that elite level, you've got to win these games. And now you got to win one more. And I think we can, we could probably move into looking ahead here now because uh, this is a big win, but now you've got a chance for an even bigger win. If you can, if you can beat this Alabama team and win a national championship after everything you've gone through this year, then you can really prove that you're right at the mountaintop of college football. And personally, I think we're in for a great game on what we hope will be Monday night. Um, you know, I am not confident one way or the other in who's going to win this game. But one thing I am confident in is I think there are going to be a lot of points scored because I think both of these offenses are a lot better than the defenses they're going to face. I think that's true, but I don't think we need to start there. I think we need to start with the fact that on Tuesday, we already have a controversy with Nick Saban's daughter tweeting about the reasons for Ohio State having COVID issues being that actually they want to uh, leave more time for Justin Fields to get healthy. And I got to say, this this jolt of energy right into the national championship game, it's arguably the dumbest controversy, the dumbest uh, tweet deletion and, and, and subsequent apology that I can remember uh, in, in, in the Ohio State world. But I love it. I love it. College football is not exactly made to to you know have have the the most intense discussions. We need we need some we need some fun and you know that 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 is definitely fun. That that adds a little to this matchup. Yeah, I mean, it is really dumb, but I think we've also learned that Ohio State absolutely thrives off of this. I mean, Ryan Day can claim all he wants, but the only motivation they need is the fact that we're in a college ball playoff. But after the game, I mean, 75% of the team was on Twitter or Instagram Live or whatever talking about Dabo ranking Ohio State number 11. So it's clear that this team thrives off of bulletin board material. And that was actually one of the questions we were asked this week. Uh, before this happened, the question was asked on Monday uh, by Gare Bear. He asked, hard to deny the role motivation plays in high stakes games. What event or tactic, if any, will the Buckeyes use as motivation for the Bama game next week? You just got it. Yeah, and also, like, I don't think that they're going to spend the next six days thinking about Nick Saban's daughter's tweet, Um, but every little thing helps. Um, Also, you know, um, I think that if, you know, if you're Ryan Day, well, one, you're going to show a montage of every single person in the world picking against Ohio State because that's what's going to happen the same way that that that, that happened against Clemson. Uh, and two, like, you know, you're people people generally believe that Alabama right now is above Ohio State as a program, and like that's all that like if you're going to talk about motivation, like you are the underdog. There's no you don't need to pretend you're the underdog. Like Dabo loves to figure out a way to get Clemson to believe it's the underdog, which I think annoys 
everybody outside of Clemson. It works though. Ohio State doesn't need to pretend. Like like I remember last year, you know, Ryan Day was, you know, had had his players believing that like ESPN picked them to finish like fourth in the Big Ten East. Because like I think was it the FPI or something had projected that before the season that they there was like one there was one metric or person that actually predicted that last year. But Ryan Day basically had everybody on the team believing that. I um, mean, it came up in multiple interviews. He doesn't need to pretend at any, at, at any rate for this game. I mean, this game, Ohio State is the true underdog. Yep, Alabama favored by eight points as of Tuesday night, and certainly. The big reason for that is Alabama's offense because Alabama's offense is really, really good. You mentioned it before, Devontae Smith. He just became the first wide receiver since 1991 to win the Heisman Trophy. We talked about Ohio State's past defense's struggles. Devontae Smith is without question the best wide receiver Ohio State has faced this year. So that's going to be a massive test. You know, Matt Jones is a really good quarterback. He finished third in the Heisman race. Najee Harris. He's the best running back in the country. He finished fifth in the Heisman race. Alabama's offensive line, they just won the Joe Moore Award as the best offensive line in the country. And oh yeah, Jalen Waddle's also a projected first round pick and he might be back. He's been out for two months with an ankle injury, but he returned to practice on Tuesday and he might be back on Monday. So you add up all of that. Yeah, this is going to be one heck of a test for Ohio State's defense. Yeah, and, you know, I remember talking on last week's podcast for the Clemson game, you know, about the fact that I thought maybe there was a chance that because Clemson didn't have the, the you know, the A1 first-round wide receivers, that that would be beneficial to Ohio State. And I also, like, I don't think I brought it up a ton, but Travis Etienne isn't exactly a between-the-tackles guy that's going to get, you know, seven yards up the gut every time. Like, I think, I think the thing that's dangerous about Alabama – is because Alabama's built a little bit more to 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 decimate Ohio State's defense than Clemson is, um, and that is one. Like as much as I love this front seven for Ohio State, because I think it's tremendous. I think it really is great. Uh, Alabama's offensive line and Najee Harris, like that, is a test that they have not faced before. And you combine that with the ability of, of Mac Jones and Devontae Smith and and the other wide receivers, like you mentioned, Waddle might be back. Like I think that the the troubling part about this Alabama offense is that there's no place, there's no area on this offense that I would feel comfortable where you might have an advantage. Whereas I thought like the front seven, you might be able to 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 force them to to you know pass the force Clemson to pass the ball downfield and beat you in a way that maybe Clemson wasn't going to be comfortable doing uh, for the for the vast majority of the game because I wasn't 100 percent sure that. You know they would be able to to run the ball on Ohio State. I think Alabama is a better shot at running the ball on Ohio State, and if you can continue to to move the ball down the field, like I think that's going to put a, put pressure on this Ohio State offense, and like maybe even more so than last game, I could see this one just developing into a shootout. Yeah, I, I'm fully expecting a shootout. Um, yeah, I mean I, this Alabama offense is a juggernaut. There's no question about it, and I, I do think that you know, Ohio State's defense is going to struggle uh, to keep them off the scoreboard. But I also think if Ohio State's offense plays the way it did against Clemson, I think Ohio State's going to score a lot of points too because I don't think this Alabama defense is that good. I mean, you look at the two best offenses Alabama has played this year, Florida and Ole Miss. They gave up 48 points to Ole Miss. They gave up 46 points to Florida. This is not 
what some of Nick Saban's past defenses have been. And, you know, they, they've been pretty good in their other games, but I mean, I think Ohio state's got a better offense if they're clicking the way they were on Friday than Florida and Ole Miss. And I think, you know, the, the teams they've done well against don't have offenses that are even close to Ohio state. So I, I think this game is very well set up uh, to, to be a shootout. And, you know, I, I think, I think the question is, you know, I think there's two questions. I mean, one, I, I think there's the possibility that Alabama's offense is that much better than everybody else. Cause I think we saw that with LSU last year in the national championship game where I went into that game thinking, well, Clemson's the more complete team, but LSU's offense was just on such another level that they rolled anyway. I, is that possible for this game? I think it is possible because I think Alabama has that kind of offensive talent, but I also think if Ohio state's offense is rolling, I, I think we saw it against Clemson, but I think Ohio state is capable of similar things with Justin Fields and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and, and Trey Sermon, you know, I, I think they're capable of similar things. And, you know, as much as we've harped on some of the issues of Ohio state's defense this year, I think particularly because of a run game, like you said, this is the biggest test Ohio state is going to face against the run all year. I, I think that's 100% the case, but I still think Ohio state's defense might be a little better in going into this game. Cause I think their run defense is stronger. Their pass defense is probably worse. And I, 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 I don't know who's going to cover Devonte Smith. Nobody. Uh, you know, I think if Jalen Waddle is back and healthy, which, I think those are two different distinctions here because I think there's a possibility of Jalen Waddle being back and playing five snaps and being a shell of himself, or there's a possibility of him being back back and then really causing a problem. Um, yeah. I mean, I think Alabama is going to put up a lot of points. I think Alabama is going to put up a lot of yards, but I also think Ohio state is capable of doing the same. And this could very well be one of those games, but you know, it, it, it can be swung by one play. It come, it can come down to who takes care of a ball the best, you know, who makes least turnovers. I mean, that's something Ohio state did great against Clemson it, it, where it, it executed when it got to the red zone, it finished drives. And, you know, other than that one, you know, red zone interception uh, where fields had the ball tipped. I mean, other than that, they took care of the football and they executed in the red zone. They have to do those two things again against Alabama. Alabama's offense is too good that if you give them, you know, if you give them short fields, if you give them free points, you're going to lose this game. But I think if you execute really well on offense, like you did against Clemson, I think you're going to give yourself a chance. You know, if you look on the defensive side of the ball, to me, the number one thing that, that Ohio State has to do is like, you can't just, you can't just get eaten up by Alabama on those, you know, the seven yard Dodge Harris run, the nine yard slant, then the nine yard run, then the 12 yard run, then the five yard. Run. Like you can't just, you can't just have them stuff it down your throat for, especially early in the game. So I think that that's how this Ohio State defense could get worn out. Because if we think about like what this defensive line has had recently, like there hasn't been a ton of rotation. Like if we think about the, the way that the linebackers use, are used in coverage too, like they can't, they can't be, you, you have to have energy late in the game to, to cover this Alabama team. And I do think, you know, if, if Ohio State's front seven doesn't hold in the way that, you know, I think it has the chance to, I think that's when Ohio State's defense would, would have some major issues. And, and that's like that to me is the one thing on that side of the ball. As, 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 as concerned as I am legitimately 
that uh, Ohio State secondary might not hold against these wide receivers in this passing game that, that Alabama has. I think that they would at least have a chance if this front seven can can hold Alabama to a level, not the level where like Clemson, they're going to average two yards a carry, but I don't know, four, four and a half yards a carry where you just, you give yourself a shot. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I think, again, much like the Clemson game, you know, the realistic expectation here is not to be great. It's not to shut them down. It's not, it's not going to happen. Not against this Alabama offense. You are not going to just shut them down. I mean, they're, they're you know, I, I expect Alabama to score probably more than 40 points. I, mean, I really do. Uh, but you've got to be good enough to give your offense a chance. And your, and your offense is, I mean, your offense has got to be great because it's just, this isn't going to be, this isn't going to be some game that you can grind out a, a win. It, it, it's not. It, Alabama's offense is too good. If you're not clicking on offense, if you're not scoring consistently for four quarters, you're probably not going to win this game. But I, I think that if Ohio State's offense can click, then it's really going to come down to, okay, can, can Ohio State just make enough stops? Can it do what it did against Clemson where, yeah, Alabama's going to make some plays. They're going to they're gonna have some big drives. There's, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But if you can force enough stops to get Alabama out of a rhythm, to, to get some runs in your way, you know, I mean, it's really going to help Ohio State if they can, you know, get out to some runs in this game. If they can, you know, string some back-to-back scores together and, and try to build a lead. Because you definitely do not want to be coming from behind against this Alabama team. But we've seen it. You know, we've seen a couple games of Alabama this year. Again, against Ole Miss and Florida. I watched most of those games, and that's the kind of games those were. They were really back and forth, both teams running up and down the field. And it, it can just come down to, you know, one or two plays, really, you know, turnover, you know, anything like that that can really swing the game one way or the other. Now, Alabama usually wins those kind of games. They usually make those kind of plays. But Ohio State's a better team than Ole Miss and Florida. So if you're Ohio State, you have to make those plays. You know, I think on defense, like you've got to, you've got to force a couple turnovers. Like you've got to, you've got to make some big play. Cause I don't, you're, you're not going to just be able to just stop them in terms of compiling yardage consistently. You've got to make some plays that, that change the game. Maybe it's on special teams, you know, maybe it's on defense, whatever, but you've got to make some plays that swing the game in your favor. You know, my, my feeling is this is going to be a really close game. You know, I thought the same Clemson game and it wasn't, but you know, my feeling is this is going to be a really close game. Uh, it, it's going to come down to one or two scores here. And, you know, I think it's, you know, really for Ohio State, you know, like you said, I mean, I think the defensive front seven, definitely it has to be able to put up a fight because we know the secondary is probably going to be overmatched. But the defensive front seven has to be able to put up a good fight. The offense has to be clicking just as well as it was against Clemson. And you got to get some breaks. You know, I think against Clemson, I think by and large, Ohio State got just about all the breaks. They're going to need the breaks to go their way again to beat Alabama. Yeah, I think often, you know, one of the things off of the Clemson game that was just so apparent, you know, readily apparent and that after the game and then after you, you know, you go back and watch it again, it's like, shoot, which is even more so the case is they just won the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And obviously, like, this isn't this isn't some crazy analysis, but like, they're going to need to do that again. And I feel confident the way that the offensive line has played that against this Alabama defensive front, sure, they all got Alabama on their chest. But I do think that that's an area that they have to take advantage of. Um, the defensive side of the ball, like, 
you know, if we're going to be honest, like, we'll, you know, we talk about, you know, the, the COVID-19 situation at Ohio State, like the complete baseless rumors that we have, we, it's not like we can confirm, but, you know, it's the national championship. You might as well mention it. Like the rumors are on the defensive line for Ohio State, a couple positives there. Um, and if that were the case, like to me, that would, if, if Ohio State was missing key defensive linemen, I think that that, that that is certainly an issue for this team because I think that that's an area that, that is winnable for them. So um, that's, to me, what is a little bit uncomfortable right now is, you know, obviously there's the COVID-19 situation. You want everybody to be healthy, but who knows, who knows how that specifically is affecting certain players on the team and certain yeah, position I, groups. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. I mean, First of all, you know, in terms of COVID, like it's it's so hard. Like that's the thing that makes it so hard to predict a game, especially one we think is going to be this close. Is we're not going to know until Monday, a couple hours before the game, who exactly Ohio State isn't going to have for this game. So that makes it difficult to feel real confident in a prediction going into a game like this because those things can absolutely swing things. But I, I completely agree with you in terms of you know that that line of scrimmage. You know that was one of the things. Like I, I will, I will say this, like after we recorded the podcast and like this actually why I decided to write about it like a day later in a lot more is like, that was the one thing that like really started to like come into my mind. Like after we recorded the podcast was like, I do think Ohio state was going to have the advantage over Clemson on the line of scrimmage in that game. And if Ohio state was able to win that battle, it was going to have a chance. And I didn't expect Ohio State to absolutely dominate the line of scrimmage the way it did, but I did think Ohio State could have an edge there, but it dominated the line of scrimmage. And that was a huge reason why Ohio State won the game. I mean, I think you're absolutely right, but I think Ohio State has to win the line of scrimmage once again in this game to win this game. And I, I am confident that Ohio State's offensive line will do that because, again, this Alabama defensive line, it, it does, this Alabama defensive front doesn't have the top 10 picks on the defensive line that it's had in a lot of previous years. I, this Alabama defensive front is not as strong as some that we've seen in past years. So I think, I think Ohio state's offensive line can control a battle on the trenches. I'm not as confident on the defensive line. And that's not just because of the rumors. It's because this Alabama offensive line is really good. It's probably by far the best offensive line Ohio state has faced this year. And so I think that is going to be an absolutely huge matchup in this game is can Ohio state's defensive line, you know, for one, hold its own against the run and two, can it bring pressure? Because again, I think we saw that against Clemson where the defensive line was able to bring constant pressure on Trevor Lawrence and that affected him and that helped out the secondary. I think Ohio state has to be able to do that again against Mac Jones, or it's going to be a really long day against Devonte Smith and, John Mechie and possibly Jalen Waddle. Yeah, if, like if you look at the Alabama offense, like Mac Jones, Heisman finalist, Monte Smith, Heisman winner, Najee Harris, the you know the highest vote receiving uh, running back in the Heisman. Um, the offensive line won the Joe Moore Award. Like you can legitimately make the case that Alabama might have the best player or for an offensive line unit um, at every single offensive position, which is like crazy. Um, also reasonable, but I will say. You look at the way Ohio State's offense is playing. You can also make the case that Justin Fields is playing as the best quarterback in the country. You can make the case that this offensive line is blocking like the best offensive line in the country. As crazy as it is, you can make the case that Trey Sermon is running like the best uh, running back in the country. And Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, you saw again last week what makes them so special. And then again, 
what these tight ends can can do both in the run blocking game um, and the pass catching game is, is sort of astounding. And I do think like as great as this Alabama offense is, and we talk about, you know, the, we, you can talk about their players for days because they are so talented and people will probably get a little bit sick of, of hearing about that, but it's true. Like they're awesome. Ohio State's offense is awesome too. And that really shouldn't be overlooked. And as crazy as it is, like you have guys like Trey Sermon, who I thought was a average running back playing like one of the best running backs in the country. And I actually believe it now. Um, and I, and I think that he believes it too. And that's probably more important than anything. I mean, these two offenses are absolutely loaded with players who are going to be playing on Sundays. Yeah. I mean, it's am- it's, they're amazing. all over they're them. Really- I mean, you've got, I mean, you've got, you know, probably, you know, five or six potential first round picks on both of them. So that, that's how talented uh, these two offenses are. And it's why, uh, you know, to me, the most confident bet for me going into this game is I'm going over 75 uh, because I, I think both these teams are going to score into the 40s at least. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. 75, though. It's a lot. High number, man. It's a high number, but, I, but I'm, probably, I'm probably there with you. I don't think – I do think the most confident bet I have is – like, I, I think Ohio State at plus eight. I like Ohio State at plus eight. Like, am I 100% confident in that bet? No. But I think if you're getting eight points, like that's – in a game that I think is pretty close to even, like that's a, that's a good bet. Yep, I'm right there with you because to me, you know, I, I see this as a one-score game either way. I mean, I, I could be wrong about that, but that, that's the way I see it in my head. Uh, you know, I, I'm not particularly confident one way or the other in either team winning, but I, I do think, you know, I, I do think that this – really is a, a fairly even game. I, I really do. I think both offenses are phenomenal, and I think both defenses are suspect. So we got a few more questions on this game. Um, we can run through them. 47 Hawk, does Sermon continue his Zeke impre- impersonation? He has to. They need him to. Uh, I think I think they do because we don't but know. But does what- he? Do you think he does? And, and that is like I would say it it's a hard to question. finish off as Zeke. I think I think he needs to go for at least 150. I agree. I agree. He has to, and he's kind of lead him to a victory. I mean, that's that's kind of what it is. Um, I think he can. I think he's definitely capable. Um, well, yeah, but he's done that twice in a row. Well, yeah, really? I know. I know. I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. It's a hard. It's okay, a hard. I'll, I'll, I'll it's, do it. I'll okay, do it. I'll say yes. no. I'll say no because I think oh, that's a hard. I think that's a hard prediction to make. Okay, I think he's great, but I think he's playing great. But I don't know what I can say. But I think he's going to finish off physique. So if you're going to force me to make a pick, I'm going to say no. I, I will force you to make a pick, and I will say yes. I, I think that the way that he's running, and the way that this offensive line is blocking, um, I'm not an Alabama expert. I can't say I've seen every single play that they've that they've had, but I do think that this is a, a defense that he can take advantage of up front. And it's it's not just the blocking too. Like I think that that's the key. Is as much as much focus as there has been on the blocking. Like I think you have to have equal focus on Sermon and the blocking because this thing, it's a well-oiled machine. And also, like Alabama can't just sell out to stop Trey Sermon. Like that's not going to happen. There's Chris Olave, Jeremy Rucker, Chris, the Garrett Wilson, even Luke Farrell's now catching touchdowns. Uh, you obviously have to account for Justin Fields in the run game, which we saw a little bit more of before his injury. Um, I think he goes for over 150, and I don't even know if that means that they win. I, I think that that's how much of a shootout that this this one will actually turn out to be. 
Rico11 asked us, OSU went to the tight ends more versus Clemson. Anything else left in the playbook to pull out against Alabama? And I would hope so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't know exactly what it's going to be because Ryan Day doesn't want us to know what it's going to be. But I, I think there's probably for sure some tricks still up their sleeve because I think we saw that against Clemson that uh, there were some tricks up their sleeve that they were uh, probably – uh, saving up for that game. And I think that is, you know, we, we, we talked so much about the debate about the, you know, more games versus less games. And, you know, I still think that's been overblown in terms of an advantage for Ohio state, but I do think one of the legitimate advantages of that is you didn't put as much on film. So you had more, you had more opportunities to save stuff for these biggest games of the year. And then I do think there's probably stuff in the playbook. They didn't show against Clemson that they're probably planning to show against Alabama. Yeah, I mean, there are minor things like like reverses to, you know, we saw handoffs to Garrett Wilson that we haven't really seen in the last couple of games that I don't know. There's stuff like that. There's small things like that. But the other thing I would say is like, I don't know if you need a lot more to pull out of the playbook when everybody knows that your offense is now revolving around a really good running game with the running back, two elite wide receivers uh, and a great quarterback and a quarterback who can run and two tight ends who can catch the ball. Like, I don't think that you need to go deep into it, into a playbook to, to find new things. Like this is an offense that has a ton of weapons. And I think that that's the number one thing I would key on is there are just, there's so many, there are th- so many things that you have to figure out, like, what do we want to take away? And I think in this offense, it's just hard to, hard to determine if you're defending it, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you want to potentially let beat you? And what do you want to make sure doesn't beat you? Next question from, um, Chai bucks, chip bucks. How do how do we? I, I would assume I chai bucks. I think yeah, it's yeah, chai yeah. bucks. We'll go. We'll we'll go with that. So, Patrick Sertain, right? Sertain, Sertain. See, this is what people who are twenty years older than me are going to be like. I can't believe you're mispronouncing this. We've heard this for two decades. It's like, sorry, I didn't. I didn't watch his dad play, but he is a stud, which is correct. Who does he cover out of our wide receivers? Yeah, but that's see that's one that's tough because I don't I don't know I haven't I haven't watched Alabama closely enough to know if he follows a guy around the field or if um you know if they just keep him on one side but I mean I would imagine he's got to be matched up mostly with Chris Olave because he plays more on the outside than he does in the slot so I would imagine there's going to be a lot of you know uh, Patrick Sertan versus uh, Chris Olave matchups there but I haven't watched closely enough to know whether you know, they move him around to follow a receiver if he just stays on one side of the field like Ohio State typically does. That would be my expectation, too. And maybe if there's an over-under on Garrett Wilson yards, maybe you want to hit the over on that one. Uh, Landon Trucked Collins asked us, I've seen a lot of talk the past couple days that it's possible uh, we poured everything we had into the Clemson game and that they prepared for it all year. Uh, Some even suggested we might be emotionally drained after a win. Have you heard whether Coach Day has taken the same approach and began preparing for Alabama when it became clear they were the team to beat this year if they wanted it at all. Well, to answer the question, he wouldn't admit it if he had taken that approach. So, (laughs) uh, you know, know, I'm certainly, like, guessing based on what we saw against Clemson that, yeah, they were probably preparing for that game for more than two weeks and they just weren't going to ever admit that. Well, Uh, do you – the one thing to to jump off that, like – Wyatt Davis mentioned that they had a Clemson workout plan the entire summer. It's like that had never come up before that. No, and no, it hadn't. No, it hadn't. So, um, you know, we, you know, we learned that 
um, week of the know, game. But you know, I I do think the first part of that is, is interesting because of the fact that, like you said, I mean, they were talking about Clemson all year long, and and I know this is the national championship game. And when I asked Day about this on Monday, you know, he kind of dismissed it as, well, it's a national championship game. Like this has been the goal all year, so. Of course, you know, I expect our guys to, you know, play even better in this game. But I, I, I do think that Clemson game, I think there's something about that Clemson game that that was the, that's the thing that's been hanging over them so much that they poured so much into that game that, that they treated that like it was a national championship game. And I'm not saying they're not going to treat this like it's a national championship game. I'm certainly not saying they're satisfied or anything like that. But I do wonder a little bit, uh, can they maintain that same, you know, to me that Clemson, that was the peak of this Ohio State team. Like they put it all together for that game. And I do question a little bit, can Ohio State maintain that same peak? Can, can it can it have that same intensity uh you know, in this game and maybe even, maybe even not as much of that is the fact that it, do you, Ohio State's definitely going to be confident going into this game, but I think there's a fine line between confidence and overconfidence. Does maybe this Ohio State team that, you know, really, really had something to prove going into that Clemson game, does maybe that big win maybe get to its head a little bit and maybe it doesn't prepare quite as well for this game as it did for Clemson. I don't know. I mean, I, I think this is a really good Ohio state team. And I think they clearly proved uh, to me against Clemson that they were better than I thought and that they could step up when they needed to the most. So I'm inclined to believe they're going to do that again, but it does sit in the back of my mind a little bit that maybe, maybe that was Ohio state's best and maybe we shouldn't expect Ohio State to be better in this game. Well, I definitely think it was that was its best. I couldn't. I honestly, legitimately, couldn't imagine them playing better than that. Like, I think that that was an outstanding all around game, and I think that's what it was. It was an all around game. Like, there weren't. There were. I mean, there's like Sean Wade had his mishaps. Outside of that, it was a great game all around. So I don't. I'm not expecting anything better. I think if they play that game again, they're right there with Alabama. Like, they they can win if they play like that. If Justin Fields plays like that, maybe they should win. Um, I, I think that the motivation question is interesting because I, I I agree that I agree that you know the Clemson game is absolutely I think what fueled them as much as anything else this offseason. It's what if there was no pandemic, we would have harped on that for eight months, and everybody by the fourth month would have been like, "Can you please stop saying the c word?" Um, which is Clemson in this case, which I probably should, <laughs> probably should <clarify>. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there's some people who use another C word to talk about Clemson, yeah. but we ain't going to use that. Um, no, no, uh, that's a good clarification. Um, <laughs> but uh, if, um, you know, if, 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 uh, wow, I haven't, that one like that, I got to say, that one just like melted my brain right there <laughs> and I got to get myself back on track. So, um my point was that I do think that that fueled Ohio State in the offseason as much as really anything else. And I think that it's completely reasonable. Like, that was the hump that they couldn't get over. They finally got over the hump. But I will say, like, when when Ryan Day was wanting – before the season, when it was canceled or whatnot, when Ryan Day was like, we here's why 
we think we're great. Here's why we want the team to play. It wasn't that, hey, we want to go beat Clemson. It was we want national, we want to win a national championship. So like it would be wrong of us to say that that wasn't fueling them throughout the offseason. I just think it's the the Clemson thing is so easy to 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 gleam onto for us. But I think the national championship, as much as anything behind the scenes, um, is right there. And yeah, I, I get the question because I think from an outward perspective, even after the game, like you said, you saw like 60 players take to social media to mention the number 11 ranking. Like th- this was clearly a huge moment, but I think I, 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 I personally am not overly concerned about that just because I, I do think even we, we heard Ryan day talk about that before the season. Like they think like this is a stated goal of theirs. I think you're right about that. I think to me, like beating Clemson, it felt like that felt like a national championship game, even though it wasn't, that's what it felt like in terms of the stakes because of the history against Clemson, because of what happened last year, because it's, it had been such a built up game and, and Ohio state was the underdog. And a lot of people thought, you know, I mean, again, I'll be honest, I did not think I was going to be going to Miami this weekend. Like I just didn't, I thought the season was going to be over. I really did. Uh, I'm glad it's not. I'm glad we get to cover another game, but I, I just didn't think it was going to happen. So I think, you know, all of you put all of that together and it just had that buildup of, of a national championship game like feel. But you know what? So did the Alabama game six years ago. And what did Ohio State do after that? It beat Oregon fairly easily and won a national championship. Now, I don't think that's going to happen this year because I think this Alabama team is a lot better than that Oregon team. Ohio state played six years ago, but you know, as we wrap up our show, you know, I don't say this with any degree of confidence because I think this Alabama team is really good. I think it's a really even game and there is the COVID factor that we just don't quite know about, but I think Ohio state can pull this off. I think Ohio state can win this game. I think it's going to be, you know, really close game. I, I think they absolutely once again, They've got to play their best. They've got to play phenomenal football to win this game. But I'm seeing, like, my gut tells me Ohio State wins a close game here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that they can win this game. Like, I like that. Whatever doubt you had about that, like throw that thing out the window. Like their best game last last week against Clemson, if they were to replicate that on the field against Alabama, I think they win. Um, it's just a matter of like, can you play? Can can you do that? I think that that's that's, that's a that's a really tough question to answer, especially if you're thinking about you know what Alabama has coming in, especially on the offensive talent. Um, I sort of am leaning towards an Ohio State win, though. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think it's I think it's the fact that. You know, I believe that Justin Fields is going to put forth a, a performance similar to last last week's, which will probably have us thinking he's the best quarterback he's ever suited up in Ohio State uniform. And you know, if I believe that, as I've said throughout the year, if I if I think that that's going to happen, it's really 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 hard for me to pick against this Ohio State team. And I say that especially thinking that I think this offensive line is going to play really well. The tight ends are underrated in the blocking game. You have that. You have that plus the way that Trey Sermon is running. I think if you have if you have that aspect of the game plus Justin Fields, as as great as Alabama's defense is, 
I do think that there are going to be some moments that Ohio State's defense might be able to take advantage of it and whether it be turn it over, force upon it, a key situation. Like I actually think that this defense is maybe a little bit better than it's portrayed nationally. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I certainly think that about the front seven. Um, so I'll, I'm, I'm going to pick Ohio State to win outright. We will see. That's probably not what people wanted to hear because we picked no, against God, o- after last we, week. We picked yeah, against is, Ohio State last week, so like I think you guys probably wanted to hear us say Alabama's going to blow them out because uh, it, it seems to be the way things work is when people pick against Ohio State, uh, they play better. Um, I remember the before. good thing is that most of the country is picking against Ohio State. Not yes, just us, uh, they are. Bronze. I mean, even the I think I even saw a stat the other day of like seventy percent of the betting money has come in on Alabama. So. Uh, Alabama is definitely a favorite. That's who most of the people are picking to win. But, you know, for me, I've got a very different feel going into this game than I did going into the Clemson game. I think I think anything can happen. I mean, neither – no outcome is really going to surprise me in this game. Um, but I, I do think Ohio State's got a real shot here. They, they've got to play their best. Uh, it looks like they're going to have to cover come some adversity yet again. But they've been doing it all year. And – you know, I, I think they've got a real shot. So uh, we're going to be back. Score? I'm going 45-41. Okay. I think I'll go – I was going to also do 45, but I can't do that now because if we're both picking 45, there's literally mathematically a 0% chance that it would actually be 45. I don't know how it works, but I know that for a fact. Um, I'll go – I'll go. They hit forty nine on the dot a second time, and instead of twenty eight, thirty eight. I think I, for some reason, I feel overly confident in this Ohio State team, and I feel like because it's a shortened season, now I'm just a little bit too prisoner of the momenty. But like, shoot, what am I supposed to look at? Like they played three games in forty five days. Like, what am I going off of? Am I going off the Northwestern game or going off the the Clemson game? Well, they better look a lot more like Clemson than they did against Northwestern. If they, if if the offense looks like it did against Northwestern. Ohio State's going to get blown out. Here's but. the prediction I feel 100% correct in. If Justin Fields throws for 114 point yards, then they lose. Yeah. Yeah. And if he throws for six touchdowns and 365 yeah. yards again, they've pretty, got a chance. Feel pretty good about that one, yeah. Well, no matter how it goes, we're going to be back next week to break it all down here on Real Pod Wednesdays. Uh, you know, hopefully we're talking about a game that's actually happened and not a game that's happened another week from now because then we're going to have to preview it all over again. But – uh Let's hope it doesn't come to that. But uh, thanks again for listening in. Uh, should be a great game. Monday night, 8 o'clock in Miami. We're both going to be there, and we'll be back next week. Uh, once we get back from Miami, I guess I might be recording still from Miami, but one one way or another, uh, we'll have a podcast next week breaking it all down. So uh, thanks again for listening in. Uh, enjoy the game, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>